then. Children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, Kill you all! You don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's Johnny. <laughs> I shot him six times. On to your butt. Bring for your life. <laughs> Into a new world of parts and monsters. Did you hear that? That sign language for, hi everybody and welcome to Pods and Monsters. <laughs> My name is Robert and with me as always is Inthia. Hello. Today on Pods and Monsters is a special episode as we are celebrating. Uh, what? <laughs> Why is this a special episode? This is a coronavirus episode though. <laughs> We're in the middle of a social distancing which is appropriate to this movie you know i did think about that as we were watching this movie about uh being secluded and having Mm -hmm. our social distances thanks to the coronavirus Mm -hmm. but tonight we are going to be discussing 2018's is genuinely scary, utterly riveting to its final minute. And now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. A quiet place. Shh. Or like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was watching John Krasinski's beautiful face and at no point was he like... (laughs) Yeah, he was. Remember when he puts his finger up and his nose wiggles back and forth? Yeah, you do. You remember. So 2018's A Quiet Place. You have seen it in Thea. I know you saw it because we both saw it in the theater together. We did. Do you remember it pretty well from seeing it two years ago? Yes. Okay. I so. love this movie. <laughs> Just so I guess spoiler. <laughs> I love this movie. I like this movie. Well, I love it. So. <laughs> well. Guess we might as well just start talking about A Quiet Place. Let's get this this started. Go for it. So you're going to insert silence here because, I mean, this movie does have... There's not going to be lots of sound ups in this movie. There's going to be like no sound ups. Oh, can we just put in things from The Office? (laughs) Like when they're talking by the waterfall and he's like big noise and instead it's just like Kevin not using a bunch of words. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, it would be, uh, I declare bankruptcy! Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I declare bankruptcy! It's unnecessary. Also, we're in the middle of a social distancing. It's pretty quiet out. So someone just heard you scream, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> and they're like, that's not how that works They must have been like, hey, he's watching The Office. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Anthea, let's start it. Here we go. 
So this starts with the Paramount logo and we get some really eerie music. I guess it's suspenseful music is what mainly mm-hmm. drives this. And it's in a very, um, who's the composer for like Leonardo DiCaprio, Inception, Hans, oh, Zimmer? Hans Zimmer. So it's very Hans Zimmer-esque, I guess, with big booming noises like boom yeah. like a i don't know how to explain it but it's just the music's really good in this film yeah I, I could see that i do think it has a very good score and you know some cues from this movie were actually used in alien covenant as well oh really yeah i mean the aliens are very similar and i did get a very alien vibe to mm. it but yeah well more on that later so we open on a title card that says day 89 and we're in a deserted overgrown town and we kind of zero in on down the main street at this market called Larkin's market and not uh, Barry Larkin. Who's that? Cincinnati red shortstop hall of famer. Don't care for the sports. Um, (laughs) So there's a wall where there are missing persons posters (laughs) and uh, we go inside the market. Do you mean missing people's papers, people's papers, people, We go inside the market and uh, there's some really creepy bare feet pitter patter of a child running through, which already is uh, unsettling in itself. Yeah. I'm sorry, but children, children running and slightly giggling or just running on bare feet. It's very ominous. It is very ominous. (laughs) And let me tell you, having kids in an apocalypse, we're going to talk about that later. Oh, man. Um... (laughs) We see a young girl walking around the store and so much is told in this one scene and there's no verbal communication. There is sign language eventually, but we come to find out that this girl from this one scene or this one little shot of her, she is deaf. Um, So as she's walking around, we hear all of the ambient noise um, and the kid running around. And then there's this wonderful, like when the camera pans to show us her face the sound cuts out and so you see her hearing aid but you realize that she just cannot hear a single thing and they do this several times throughout the movie the audio just cuts out completely when it cuts to her so we get that real effect of what she's hearing herself which is nothing yeah we see a woman played by Emily Blunt, whose name I don't know. I only know one person's name in this entire movie. And the only reason I know John Krasinski's name is because of the his captions. name was in the captions. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah. So she doesn't have a name, and I will call her the woman. Wait, do you want to know The her wife name? or the mom? No. Okay, I'll tell you after her name. Cool. You can uh, take a guess later. <laughs> so we have this woman and a kid in the pharmacy. She's being very careful. She's looking through the medication for something very specific. And I can't tell. Well, I mean, you're going to tell me what these people's names are later. I have a guess that the little boy's name is Dave. But I don't think so. No. Dang it. Okay, so she's just looking for medication and it happens to correspond with someone named Dave. Um, <laughs> he has the medication. And we never find out what ailment this little boy has. I just figured he was sick. Just sick? Just like had the flu or something. I don't know. Mm, possible. I should have paid attention to what she ends up finding. Thorazine. Uh, is that what she finds? <laughs> no. I was like, what? 
He'd barely be able to sit up. <laughs> I mean, they carry him and then they like throw him down for a hot second. She gives it to him. And in sign language, she speaks to her daughter, which is the young deaf girl, that he'll be okay. The girl then talks to the little boy that we saw running around earlier, which is her younger brother. And he talks about them getting into a rocket. And that's how they're going to get away from wherever it is that they are he's pretty optimistic but she you can tell from the look on her face that she just feels sad and it's not gonna happen like this is their fate whatever's happening to them right now okay the little boy then goes off and is grabbing a toy rocket that is high up on a shelf and as it falls the girl catches it everyone in the market which is just this family ends up kind of staring at her and there's like a there's a big buildup of tension of this little boy grabbing it and it falling and her catching it before it makes any noise and hits the ground yeah she dives for it yeah barely makes the catch jim halpert shows up uh with some (laughs) items to help boost a radio signal we find out really quickly that he's working to communicate with people and he knows a little something something about electronics we get an ominous shot with music of this little boy approaching the group uh, with this toy in his hand and it's a great shot it is a great shot because it's the type of shot where you know, from behind the little boy appears and their reaction, it's like you're expecting him to be holding a severed head or something, something horrific. And you cut to him and all he has is that toy. Yep. The dad takes the toy and removes the batteries and signs to him that it will make a loud, too loud of a sound. And they they go to leave. From here, we see um, some newspapers from where he's put the toy down. And on it, there's a big headline that says too loud. And this is our first glimpse that something has occurred and that sound is definitely an issue in this current universe. As the family's exiting, the little boy and the little girl kind of hang back a little bit. And she ends up giving him the toy rocket and tells him, you know, like, don't say anything. And she leaves. And of course, as this little boy leaves, he grabs the batteries that his dad had taken out and walks out with them. This stupid little boy. (laughs) They walk out and they follow a trail of sand and everyone is barefoot. All we're hearing is them, the crunching on the sand. Now, they walk on sand because it's more silent, I assume. Mm -hmm. And do you think, I know later we see him pouring the sand to make the trails, but do you think he has done the sand the whole way or is this a common trail that other families are using too? I would assume that other families are using it as well. Yeah. They walk the sandy path through the rundown town. And we notice that the dad, Jim Halpert, is carrying the sick brother. We get this really great shot again. There's, I don't know, there's really great framing in this movie where it makes things seem very vast, but also very enclosed. Does that make sense? Sure. We get a shot of the family walking on this bridge in the order of the son, the dad holding the son, the mom, um, the sister who's deaf, and the little brother bringing up the rear. We have this perspective of her just kind of observing everything in front of her and not hearing anything. And it keeps cycling between everyone in the family and them just walking. Like this is just a normal, this is now becoming their routine. And suddenly we get pretty much kind of like a jump scare, um, but it's just, it breaks all of the noise. And it's the sudden noise of this toy going off. 
you kind of see the the reaction of what's happening through this deaf girl realizing that her parents are freaking out and then you hear the toy um the dad then takes off running towards the son the yeah. youngest son um and we get this really suspenseful music and we follow him down the bridge yeah this scene is pretty intense i think John Krasinski is really good here showing his emotion while running. Mm-hmm. Everyone is silent, but horrified. Like normally you would expect everyone to be screaming, um, but the mom is holding her mouth and the girl is not, she's just staring in disbelief. And we see something running, just hauling ass through the woods. And just as we think that the dad is going to get to the little boy, whatever snatches this little boy straight out kills him he's gone then we get the title card of a quiet place and it's in sand (laughs) a quiet place now we're at day 472 the girl is now laying in sand in a cornfield and is startled awake the mom walks by and she is very much pregnant very irresponsible (laughs) I'm sorry. I have some issues with this movie. (laughs) That's the number one issue is how irresponsible they are for having a kid. They already have two kids. I know they probably want to have one again since they lost one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's some emotional backstory to that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you got to think about your other kids, too. And it's very dangerous to have a kid in this world. I agree. But at the same time, it's a movie. I know. And it brings suspense because now you have a baby and babies can't be controlled. So we then cut to a video surveillance of what I'm going to best describe as a compound. It's where these where this family is living. And this is um, It's it's like a farm. Well, I mean, yeah, it is. But it's also it's like a compound. I feel like they have their own space. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a farm and a compound? I don't know. Compound seems industrial to me. Okay. Like a, like a facility. Okay. Well, so he has full, pretty full surveillance of their entire farm. And we also see that he has newspapers and notes trying to figure out how to stop these creatures. He's also trying to reach people through radio, which we had figured out earlier when he was talking about boosting the signal the radio signal, and he's using Morse code to send out an SOS. So this is where I was thinking about it. I would never be able to survive an apocalypse. Like, look at all this stuff he's doing, researched how to survive. I would just get in bed and just hope for it to end. Like, (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. I mean... Obviously, I would do more than that, but I don't have the technical know-how to know how to build all these electronics, and I don't know how to say electronics, obviously. Yeah, apparently. And he has so many skills that I need to hone up on for the apocalypse. But also, there are these things called books. Yeah. And you can learn a lot of things from books. And there are tutorials. I know that now we have the convenience of everything being online, but... There were things before things being online and they were in That's true. books. Yeah, they could have gone to the library and got some books. Sometimes those books have pictures. We get a layout of the farm, which consists of a house, a farmhouse, and a silo. It does look like a nice, relaxing farm. Yeah, except for the horrors that await you if you make any noise. Like, what if yeah. you toot? Yeah, what if you toot? 
Next, we have the dad at the top of this silo that's on this farm, and he is having a moment thinking about their dead son. And he's looking through his toys and a watch that I don't think that this four-year-old child was wearing at any point in his life, but we're seeing him kind of lamenting the loss of this child. And I guess with this new child coming in, it's giving them a lot of feelings about the one that they lost. He's up there. We also see the mom and she is prepping for this baby. So in case you didn't catch earlier that she's pregnant, we now see her super pregnant. There's a great little shot of her putting up a mobile. And as she's getting down, we see her little belly. (laughs) We see her prepping up this box for the baby and it has a little oxygen mask so that baby cries put the oxygen mask on it and stick it in this box and it's a it's a little soundproof box then we also cut to the kids that are soundproofing a wall by putting up all of these layers of newspaper and pasting it onto this wall so they're preparing this little room the dad up on the silo whose name is lee So I'm going to try to call him Lee from now on. He sets off a fire and we see fires then being started in response. And we see that they're not necessarily alone. They're alone on this farm, but they're not alone in the world. So we see a few other people checking in, letting each other know that they're okay. Yeah, they got neighbors. There's a moment here where they're getting ready for dinner and the mother tells the daughter to go get the dad. The daughter doesn't want to. And you can tell that they have a strained relationship. The dad is definitely in a different headspace also, where he's probably pretty distant from her just because he has a lot going on. But that's her dad. So he's dealing with a lot going on. And we get this wonderful little scene of them eating dinner which I really liked it really sets up their this universe is built very well I felt like the kids are then playing Monopoly the silent Monopoly they are very silent I don't know how <laughs> that's well, actually that makes it the least that's the least believable thing in this entire movie is that game of Monopoly <laughs> and how cordial they are with each other I know because everyone yells and <laughs> argues during that game but they uh, will only roll the dice on the carpet And then each piece, the metal pieces are gone. And instead they use pieces of felt like a little little ball, like a cotton ball or something. I don't know what you're talking about. One of them's a bird, the other one's a star. (laughs) There's a little ball too. Oh, is there? Yeah. Well, one of them was playing with a bird. The other one was playing with a star. I think it was just sitting on the... It must have been one of the parents was a ball. Oh, okay. And as they're playing, the boy knocks over an oil lamp that they're using for light. This part scared me. It is. Um, We get here a series of three jump scares. And this is the first one with it getting knocked over and the whooshing of the fire and the dad flipping out, rightfully so, and rushing over to put it out. Then it goes to like silence because they caused a ruckus. And they very anxiously wait to find out what happens now that they've made all this noise. We hear some noises in the distance and some crashes on the roof, as well as some birds flying away. And so uh, they hear some scratching on the roof of the farmhouse that they're in. And they follow it over to the window where two raccoons provide the next jump scare as they fall clumsily off the roof. (laughs) 
Raccoons are always uh, around for a good scare. In fact, I'm just waiting for the day I take out the garbage and I open up the dumpster and here comes a raccoon to jump out. You think there's going to be one in the dumpster? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that's the way that works. No, I could see them going in there to get food and one gets trapped in there until I let it out. Everyone is relieved that it's just raccoons. So actually, there was another jump scare in there somewhere because then we get another one, the fourth one. So my apologies, I don't remember what that third jump scare was um, in this little close sequence. But there's a bunch of noises and then you get some relief. And then we follow these raccoons out into the cornfield and we get our fourth jump scare of a big old alien hand <laughs> creature snatching up and demolishing a raccoon. Yeah, he squishes him. Yep. You know, you're thinking you see these raccoons and they're making a lot of sounds themselves. Mm-hmm. And you do think to yourself, well, why don't these monsters go after the animals? And they do. Yeah, they do. So Lee is in the house. So from here, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, they aren't in the house. They do most if not all of their business, in the farmhouse, the barn. Right. It's a big old barn. But now we're in the house and we're in the room that we had seen earlier with all of the monitors. And this is Lee's little lair um, where he's working on a hearing aid for his daughter. We get this really wonderful intimate scene with Lee and his wife as she comes to visit him. They end up dancing together to a Neil Young song. And you can tell that they are very much in love and anticipating this baby. There's no words exchanged here. They do sign each at each other a little bit, I believe. But you can very much tell that they are, through body language and the way that they look at each other and their acknowledgement of her pregnancy, they're in this together. It's just a very lovely scene between this couple. It's the next day and we get a scene of the mother doing her own self-checkup on this baby um, and listening to the heartbeat. She also has a calendar that says that the baby is due in two weeks. Yeah, she's figured it out. Yeah. We next get the scene of the daughter walking into the house and we get to see a little bit more of this house that they don't live in. She walks in very cautiously and there's a painted path where you should only step in this house. And we get a very faint creaking, which obviously leads us to believe that if she were not on this path, there would be an insane amount of creaking. I didn't catch that. Throughout the house. Really? Because it's on the steps. So when you walk down the stairs, you only hit those. And all throughout the entire house, the floor, there's a painted path. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Here we get a jump scare because she's staring down into the basement room that belongs to Lee. You can tell that she wants to go down there. And we get a jump scare of him snatching her up and taking her out of the house. He tells her not to go into his workroom, into that basement. And it's just very stern about it. Then they have a conversation where he presents to her this hearing aid that he's been working on. But she tells him that they never work. And that she doesn't want his help. They're butting heads. And I took it as her feeling like she is an outsider in this family. Yeah. She can't hear. She feels responsible for her little brother dying. And she thinks that her dad blames her. And she thinks her dad blames her. She feels like she's not really part of this family. No matter what he does, she's never going to be like everyone else in the family. So they're having this conversation out in the field. 
And we cut to the mom and the son working on some math. And so she's just, you know, really keeping up their education. I gotta say, homework in an apocalypse? Oh, yeah. Just when you thought you were out of the woods, you get sucked back into homework. What are you, a Disney Channel announcer? (laughs) What's happening here? Lee shows up to take the kid out with him so he can learn how to survive. But his son does not want to do this. He is hesitant. He's afraid. He thinks that the same thing that happened last time is going to happen again. So what I'm kind of gathering is that he has not taken the kids out with him prior Uh, to that last time. Maybe, or he's just nervous about it every time. I don't know. I mean, but they haven't gone where they're going now. Yeah. The daughter, though, she comes up and says that she'll go instead. And the dad says that she has to stay and help their mom out and that she'll be safe on the farm. She's very resentful of this and very upset. So she ends up taking off. She just marches into their barn. And we have a moment with her in her little space where you can tell that she just wants to, if she were in not the situation that she's in right now, she would probably throw some stuff around her room or whatever. Yeah, I, I like that because you know she's upset, but she knows her situation, so you could you could sense her restraint, mm-hmm. which seems very real to me because we would all have that restraint. I would hope. Yeah, for sure. She notices on her bed that there's the hearing aid that he had brought to her earlier. She tests it out and it doesn't work, which causes her to cry. She's just so frustrated. She just starts to pack a bag. She ends up pulling out this item that is wrapped up and puts that into her bag. She's been keeping it hidden, it seems like. And so she ends up taking off. Um, And she also takes a pair of pliers with her. Now we're by the river and Lee and his son are catching fish. He goes to kill one of the fish that they caught and the son instantly is worried that they're going to make too much noise and that the creatures are going to hear them. Lee then goes to explain that the river is a good mask. The water is a good mask for noises. So if they make noise that is less loud than this constant noise, they're fine. Yeah, it drowns it out. Yes. Then he ends up taking him to the waterfall and he goes on to further explain that that is a safe space. And so he, you get a little scene of them kind of bonding and hooting and hollering into the waterfall. This is the first time we hear them with their normal voices Mm -hmm. and not in a whisper. Mm-hmm. And I do really like this scene a lot, and it shows a nice father-son bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while the, these boys are hooting and hollering into a waterfall, the the mother is in the basement of the house doing some laundry. She's definitely overloaded with how much laundry she's carrying, and she's just super pregnant. You know, this whole time with the bare feet pitter-pattering everywhere has made me very uncomfortable. And so here we get a thing that, of course, if we have bare feet, we're going to have something like this happening. And as she's uh, walking up the stairs, uh, the laundry bag snags on a nail that is on the stairs. And she ends up pulling up a nail. And this nail is right in the little path that is painted. Yeah, it's just, it's like as if Kevin McAllister put it there for Daniel Stern to (laughs) step It really is. is awful. The daughter, meanwhile, is on her own adventure. 
So we kind of see her walking around. Lee and the son talk a little bit about the daughter not coming. The son asks if he blames her for what happened. And he says, no, he does not blame her. And the son lets him know that she does blame herself for it. And that he needs to tell her that he doesn't blame her. So there needs to be this communication that is not present. And this little boy ends up having some really insightful things for his dad. We do cut back between this conversation with what the daughter is doing as well as what the mother is doing. So the daughter at this point is at the site at the bridge where the son was murdered by these creatures. The mom is having a moment of reflection in the house and goes up to this little boy's room. The daughter leaves the toy that she had taken that belonged to the little boy and she takes those pliers and cuts the noise part but leaves the lights on and sets that down because they've set up a little memorial for him. Yeah, it's it's the rocket ship. And we find out that this all started in 2020. Yeah. Well, that's when the little boy died. Yeah. So it started in 2020, 2019, 2020, because we don't know when he died in 2020. And now it's a little over a year later. Yep. This is still in the future from now. Lee and his son are walking back to the house and they pass this other house that uh, you get some really good eerie ominous music staring at this house and the house i believe has spray painted on it to keep out and the little boy stares at this house as we're looking at him so we can see beyond him we see an older man standing in the woods and he's pretty unnerving to look at yeah well the first time you see him it's just in the background and he's all blurry Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's another good jump scare Yes. This man is standing over the dead body of a woman and Lee is very much alarmed to see him there and wants to defuse the situation because the man looks very pained and very tense. And he starts to scream. Not before John Krasinski shushes him by wiggles his nose with his finger (laughs) the old man screams and lee takes off running with his son they hide behind a fallen like log or something and he's covering the little boy's mouth because he very much like the little boy looks like he just wants to scream his head off and you hear the creatures uh run past them and attack this man and we see them again another like whoosh like a very We see him get snatched right through the screen, I guess. I don't don't know. And we hear the attack as Lee's trying to keep his son quiet. Back at home, the mom is walking around and her water breaks. And as she walks down the stairs, she starts to go into labor. And uh, she is really good at not screaming. And just, she looks, it looks awful. It truly looks awful. Yeah, this is Emily Blunt's finest moment starting here all the way through the next few scenes of her uh, restraining the pain of childbirth Mm -hmm. while trying to stay quiet. Yeah. We get a lot of intense music as she walks downstairs. She's on, I guess, the second floor and has to go into the basement. So she has to go down two flights of stairs. This entire time we've 
seen the farm and there are a bunch of light, strong lights everywhere. And they light up at night, um, which is lovely. And we find out that she is going downstairs to go switch the colors of those lights. And as she's going down the steps, she's holding a little picture frame with, I guess, presumably a photo of this of her family or of the son and uh who does she encounter on her way down to the steps but that pesky old nail (laughs) (laughs) and uh she steps her entire body weight onto the nail yeah it it impales her basically yeah and she ends up dropping the frame which causes a little a little big noise yeah but she doesn't scream she's she does make a little bit of noise but she's able to not totally give herself away But the clatter, the the clatter of uh, that uh, frame. Santa Claus on the roof? Yeah. He's like, ho, 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 I'm going to murder you. Um, <laughs> ends up uh, making some noise. And she's able to turn the lights from the regular color to red. But a creature is now in the house. And yeah. she's experiencing contractions. <laughs> well, we should say the reason she wants to turn the lights from normal to red is to signal an emergency. Yes. So whoever sees it, hopefully her husband, will know something is up. Yes. We hear the the creature. And there's a there's a good growling and sound from this creature. Yeah, the creature sounds are really great. <laughs> And she is trying so hard to control her breath. And we have this wonderful view of her face. <laughs> and we hear her breathing. And oh, it's just, it's awful. And she has this bloody foot. She finds a kitchen timer and uses that as a distraction. We then get a little glimpse as to how these creatures track people. They can't see anything, but they can hear And so it's hearing her breathing and it's noticing that the breathing is definitely a louder noise and it's going to go towards her. But the kitchen timer goes off and that causes a diversion. You hear the ticking getting louder and louder Mm -hmm. of that timer. And you get a shot of the creature and you look in its ear canal or whatever you want to call it. And you could see all the inner workings. And it's very interesting the way that the head is built to pick up the best sound. Yes, because I like how it's canceling out all of the normal sounds to find what's different. I'm going to tell you right now, I hate this creature's design. I don't like it either. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big fan of this creature design in general because I think that now it's like the go-to alien design. But yeah. I will say when its stupid, disgusting head opens up, <laughs> it makes me want to throw up well, so bad. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but the head is the only part that I do like about the creature because Ugh. it's different and interesting. <gasps> <laughs> the thing that I don't like is what you said. It looks too much like a Cloverfield monster or any other modern day alien monster. Yeah. So we get to hear the creature breathing and stalking. And just as the kitchen timer goes off, Lee and his son get to the farmhouse and they see the red lights and Lee takes off running towards the house. We get that distraction for that one creature. And as she goes to leave the house, we see another creature running up towards the house. So she runs up the stairs. Lee needs his son to cause a distraction. And they actually have some rockets, some fireworks that they'll use to create a really big distraction in an emergency. 
the mom then gets into the bathtub, which is a very iconic scene, I think was used in the posters. I believe so. And definitely used in the trailer. And it's still, even though we saw this scene everywhere, it's still such a great scene. Yeah, it's the best scene of the movie, I think. It really is. And I kind of wish that we weren't privy to the scene before it happened, but it's such a great scene. No matter what, it's still so good. She is fully going into labor at this point. We get this panning shot from her feet up in the tub and we see the blood coming out of her and she is going to have this baby. Like this baby is coming now. And as she is struggling to control herself in the bathtub, we see the creature coming up the stairs and its hand scrape against the wall in the hallway right behind her. Just as she's about to start screaming, actually she starts screaming, uh, her son is able to set off the rockets and cause a big old distraction. The relief of that scream looked so good. It makes you just want to go out and scream. <laughs> Lee runs into the farmhouse yeah, and, and loads a gun. Yeah, and there's a great shot of him running with that gun that he was that he loaded with the fireworks going off in the background. It looks like, like a Civil War movie with him running through the woods. Yeah, and- <laughs> kind of. When he gets upstairs, we see a bloody empty tub. And he is instantly heartbroken. He's a man that is so defeated. And you just see his heart breaking. And he goes from being this man who's ready to save his family to a man who's just lost almost everything in just a matter of seconds. And we get a jump scare from here. A bloody hand appears behind him. And there's a shower there. And inside is his wife. And now their baby. Baby. Um, we see their son walking back to the farmhouse through the, the cornfield. And we see that he's actually being stalked at this point by the creatures. And he makes a mistake. He starts running off the path. He does. And I guess it's maybe he's trying to get to that... The silo? The silo. But running through the cornfield makes a lot of noise. It does. So that's what's making the creature come after him even more. Yes. We now are back with Lee as he's carrying the baby and his wife into the, the farmhouse. And as they get in there, the baby starts to cry. There's definitely more urgency. And we find out that the room that we'd seen them prepping earlier is in this farmhouse. And it's actually a soundproof basement. Underneath the mattress. Underneath, Yeah, well, that's for some more soundproofing. He sticks the baby in the box and puts the wife on the bed. So uh, now give that little baby a little bit of oxygen who starts crying and he puts him in the box and that muffles his crying. We see the sister walking back to the house and she sees the brother's flashlight. And as she's kind of investigating what's happening, we see from her perspective that she can't hear anything and that the creature is literally behind her and sneaking up on her. Yeah, this is a pretty scary scene because it looks like there's there's no way for her to escape. And again, mm-hmm. we are looking at her, but we're also getting a, I want to say an audio POV, meaning, yeah. you know, we're hearing what she hears, which is literally nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's pure silence with this creature stalking her. It's very strange to see uh, a creature like that. Yeah. Then we get more of this creature's hearing words canceling out all of the noises to zero in on the one that doesn't belong. And it picks up the frequency of her hearing aid and it 
majorly disrupts the alien. It's super unpleasant and it causes the frequency, like her to hear a high-pitched noise that hurts her. So as she's kind of just like doubled over in pain, the alien ends up running away because it was super uncomfortable. Now we're back with the wife who wakes up and they have a little bit of a conversation about how this room worked out. And then she asks about the kids because they aren't there. Also, I will add, uh, they made it into this room just as the alien got into the house and you could hear a bunch of clattering upstairs so it was just causing a ruckus in their little house and she has a great line here where she's questioning i guess basically how good of a person she is or 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 how good of parents they are and she has a great line where she says who are we if we can't protect them there's very little dialogue in this movie but every bit of it is so good She's weak from having this baby and she makes Lee promise that he'll protect the kids no matter what. Now we're back with the kids and they have found each other. There's another jump scare here where Mm -hmm. the sister finds the flashlight and the little boy, his hand reaches out to grab her as she reaches down for it. We're back with Lee and he's coming out of their their basement area and we do see that the, the house is completely trashed. There's also a really severe water leak happening here he does not see this uh, and he goes off to look for the kids the kids are at the top of the silo and they are lighting a fire i think they're lighting it to alert their dad that they're there but they're also lighting it to check in on everyone else and they don't get any responses yeah i think it was mostly to get their dad's attention uh, because i assume that the lighting of the fire for the neighbors is always done at the same time of day Mm to make sure everyone is uh, accounted for. But it's not like the dad did this earlier because they were coming back from fishing. When he did it the first time, it was like dusk, I think. And now it's nighttime. Yeah. So everyone else, if they didn't see this family light it, they just didn't come check on them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, why didn't the family come? See? See? (laughs) Lee goes to his little lair and is looking around at the video screens to see if he can see where the kids are. But of course... Uh, this is being a movie. He misses the last bit of their fire because it goes out. So he doesn't see them. Even though he can see the silo, he can't see them on top of the silo. The mom wakes up and the basement is now flooded and the baby box is floating away. And right past that, we see a creature and it's looking around and then it decides to go for a little swim. Oh, it's the most, it's, horrifying when it's just like slips into the water it doesn't dive it doesn't climb in it just slips into the water and then you have no idea where it is it's awful i hate it instantly i don't know if you know this about me but water movies horror water movies i love them but they make me incredibly tense (laughs) um so like when we watched that one with mandy moore 47 meters yeah. Is down. that right? 47 meters down, I think. Whatever. The fact that I can even remember that it was 47. <laughs> um, unless it's like 42. Whatever. The 42 is the Jackie Robinson movie. He was in a shark movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, I had to look up the ending of it before we finished it because I was... He became a Dodger. 
The shark? Jackie Robinson. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I put, it goes for a swim. So tense. The baby is cooing inside of the box. And the reason I know that is because the TV told me it was cooing. (laughs) Um, As she makes her way over and she also glides in, slips into the water. As she lifts the baby out of the box, it's done so well and it just, you're just like, no. Um, as she's lifting up the baby, the creature comes up at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it's almost in the same exact motion of the baby rising. The That's head of the creature rises with it. Awful. It's awful. She holds the baby really close. And because there is this water that is falling from the main floor of this house, it creates a little waterfall. And she's able to use that as a bit of cover and um, hides behind that waterfall. Yeah, this is her first instance of seeing the backside of water, which she will soon see in Disney's Jungle Cruise. That's true. <laughs> um, Lee is out looking for the kids, and they are on top of the silo, and they're arguing about staying or leaving. And the daughter makes a comment that they'll be looking for the son, but they aren't looking for her. As he's trying to stop her from leaving, he falls in through these double doors and into the silo, which is full of corn. This corn creates like a quicksand thing and the creature hears this whole ruckus. Also, one of the doors ends up breaking off and falling into into the silo and it creates like a Titanic situation. (laughs) It does. Where they're able to get onto this. What I really like is the little boy is drowning and Mm -hmm. the sister is basically saying without saying it, she's using using sign language is telling him to stop moving. Yes. And her like the brave little girl she is just jumps in instantly to save him. And then she starts to drown herself and then he has to save her. Yes. All this with a, a creature outside. So they're trying to survive this drowning and the more they move, the more sound is going to be happening Mm -hmm. because there's millions of corn kernels around (laughs) yeah and they're just yeah it's a very tense situation lee has followed the creature to the silo and right before the creature gets there i like how you look at him looking out onto the cornfield and you can see where the creature's running through the cornfield yeah that's good that's like in the lost world jurassic park where they're in the high hide Mm -hmm. and the t-rex comes around (laughs) or when they're in the tall grass oh that too yeah Mm -hmm. Gotta stay out of it. Don't go into the long grass! <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the creature then drops in and has another encounter with her hearing aid. And it disrupts and is very uncomfortable. It takes off and ends up busting a hole into the silo, through the silo wall. And the, the kids are able to jump down fairly close to the ground and get out of the silo because of this. They're reunited with Lee and the mother actually was, at this point, she's back in the house and she's able to see that they're reunited together through the video surveillance. They hear the creature approaching. Lee tells them to head over to the truck, which we saw earlier. The little boy was playing in it. And at the time, it felt like he was just playing driving. And it turns out this will come into play later on. He tells the kids to go and hide. He hangs back and it's very much to put up a fight or defend the children against this. 
And And he grabs an axe. He does. And as he's looking around, we see the creature is up on this like awning or something. It's like the roof of a shed. It's an open shed, though. It's like, you know, just a little thing. And it takes a swipe at him. Yeah, he goes to swing the axe at it, but it jumps and lunges for him as he's doing that. So he doesn't make any contact with it, unfortunately. No, and it really, it gravely injures him. The son is in the car and jumps out and cries out for his dad. The girl's hearing aid then starts doing the thing that it was doing and she ends up shutting it off. And we get another really great scene where she turns it off and she's looking at her brother. And then we see from the back of her head looking at his brother and he's freaking out because the creature is running towards the truck um, and attacks them. And again, pure silence because she has turned off her hearing aid. Mm -hmm. And the thing that cracks the silence is the crack of the window as the monster breaks through. But you may wonder why she is turning off this hearing aid if it's hurting the monster. She doesn't know this at this point. No, she doesn't. Um, But remember, the hearing aid not only hurts the monster, but it hurts her too. Yes. So that's why she turned it off. So Lee is gravely injured and he gets up. He ends up throwing the axe that he had with him. So it makes a bigger noise than the creature attacking the kid's in the truck he then signs to the daughter which breaks my heart like it's it's so like you're like really freaked out with what's happening and then you just kind of at least for me i kind of started tearing up watching him talk to her it's very emotional it is and he um tells her that he loves her and that he always has loved her and then he lets out just this gut-wrenching just horrible scream because he's gonna save his kids Yeah, it's it's a really great moment. It's a great line. I have always loved you because remember, mm-hmm. she was he had the talk with his son where this his son told him that she was worried that he didn't love her. So he's proving his love and all that. And he has a great scream. So he uh, sacrificed himself for the safety of his children. The kids are in the truck now. And earlier we had seen the boy playing in the car and he was miming pressing the gas pedal and steering and then releasing the brake and here he actually releases the brake and it turns out that this is a pretty good escape route because it goes right down to the house i mean he's able to drive them down there because it's all downhill the mom is seeing all of this happen and she has a big old shotgun and it's waiting for the kids at the door and they are reunited and they have a moment of just sadness but really there's no time because they can hear the creatures approaching so they head downstairs to lee's lair she warns them about the nail as they're going downstairs yeah i like that like why doesn't she cover it or put a pillow over it or something (laughs) because no matter what if you put your entire body weight on a pillow you're still going to get that nail right through your foot yeah she could have put a cork on top of it i love that here she ends up where lee was trying to get the sun to be more, I, want, I don't want to say self-sufficient, but more forward and more aggressive. The mom realizes that this is not really in her son at the at this moment. So she hides him and the baby 
behind like a water heater and her daughter who is fully capable she has her out with her and these two women are going to do whatever they need to do so she hides the son and as the daughter is apprehensive about going downstairs she tells her to come down and as she does she sees everything that her dad was looking at because she doesn't ever go down here so she saw that he was working on a bunch of hearing aids for her that he was trying to figure out what this monster what these creatures are what these monsters are now why do you think john krasinski did not allow the daughter to go down there earlier was it because all of his research was there and he didn't want to scare her as to how bad the world is i think so i think so too yeah i think it's keeping something away from the kids and we see that he's been trying to figure out what their weakness is and that he's never given up on trying to help her even though she wasn't privy to that information until now that he's gone so she really has a moment where she just she realizes that her dad never stopped loving her the mom takes a moment to comfort her as well here just as the creatures show up the lights flicker every time they show up which happens pretty much every time they show up yeah and all the tvs turn to static the creature comes down and we get again the whole ear situation of looking through its ear and it keys in on the static and it attacks the TVs. The mom decides that it's going to shoot, but she kind of looks around and has to really be careful about when she's going to shoot this monster because she does assess that her children are here and she's has to protect her children. And she knows that she'll die if she shoots at this monster. Well, I mean, I think so. That's what I got from the look around her. I think it's more of a worry that a gunshot will bring others. Yeah. Yeah. But she will die instantly if she misses. That, yeah. Her kids will then be defenseless. Yeah. So the daughter looks around and sees the weakness notes again. And she remembers her hearing aid and the noise that it made previously. And she just, she turns it on. Um, She's getting feedback. We hear high-pitched noise, and we hear the baby starts crying. And she uh, realizes that the creature is responding, like its limbs are starting to kind of shake at her hearing aid. And she looks over and sees the microphone and the radio equipment, and she uses that to amplify the noise to disarm this creature out of frustration and whatever goes to attack the noise and the mom shoots it and blows its head off before she shoots him there's quite a longish sequence of it reacting to this audio well at first it wasn't happy with the static of the tv sound so Uh it's so it's throwing the tv around and then later it's running yeah so it's running into all these different things why didn't the other monsters come when those sounds happened because they're so sensitive to other sounds they should they might have been too far away maybe but but there are two monsters aren't there yeah i mean there's i mean there's a couple i mean it seems like they're always around that's why they have to be quiet well so on the notes there were three in the area Uh directly and then we know that there were two at the house yeah but right now there's only one in the basement right and it, yeah, no, nothing reacted to nothing else showed up when he when it knocks over the TVs. Yeah, but I and mean, then when it hears the feedback, it starts vibrating. Like I love how you you get like this pan up its body and it's like 
frozen in place and it's twitching and then its head starts to do that disgusting oh it's so gross it is <laughs> so gross i can't even deal with it how gross it is and then it looks like it's burnt because it's black yeah. right and then it opens up and everything is pink inside Ooh. <laughs> oh my god it makes me so uncomfortable but yeah but i, I mean i know why the monsters don't come which is because uh, it's a movie yeah it's a movie and you want to have a nice thrilling ending <laughs> So as she shoots it, shoots its head off, instantly there is a very low rumble. And that's countless creatures coming right towards them. Yep. They look in the surveillance, the monitors, and they see all of these just running across the property, running right towards them. And she looks at the daughter who knows that she has to do, she has to exploit the weakness. And so she cranks up the sound on all the speakers and goes to put her hearing aid there. And then we get the most badass, awesome shot of Emily Blunt, of her standing between her kids and the monsters, and she cocks that shotgun. And then we fade to black. Well, not even fade to black. We cut. Cut <laughs> to black. A quiet place. And that's the end of A Quiet Place. That's so good. I love that ending. <laughs> so much yeah it's a great ending and it leaves a lot of room open for a sequel which you know comes yeah. out as soon as we're over this uh coronas <laughs> well yeah it's supposed to come out the week that this airs uh maybe yeah. it'll come uh, straight to video on demand i mean i would definitely um, pay for it so how'd you like it i oh as i stated earlier i love this movie yeah i like it a lot my biggest problems with the movie is, I mean, again, I know it's a movie, but there's lots of irresponsible things that happen here with, in terms of the kids, the fact that they have a baby and all of this <laughs> just really irks me. So I don't like that aspect of it, but yeah, there's some really good suspense in here. Effects were okay, not the best, but they were fine. I thought they were really good effect. I mean, luckily there, I don't think there's a lot of CG going on until the aliens are present well yeah the aliens i mean i i know but not like anything else yeah. um so i don't mind it because we get pretty minimal aliens up until the end um but i still thought that their cg was fine the only place where the cg looked kind of like and eh, didn't hold up too well was when we see them in the monitors yeah i think there was something weird i thought when emily blunt was in the bathtub and you see the monster put his hand on the wall something mm. seemed a little unnatural about that mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, uh, I enjoy it. A nice, solid picture. Well, I want to talk a little bit about A Quiet Place, about the making of. Yes, please. I don't have a ton of information, but I'll tell you what I do have. So let's talk about A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. Do you know who directed A Quiet Place? Jim Halpert. That's right. John Krasinski who we know from The Office. Mm -hmm. He was given the script or the story of this movie, maybe it was probably a treatment, to star in it. And his wife, who happens to be Emily Blunt, Mm -hmm. urged him to direct. The movie was written by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, and John Krasinski. He ended up writing some of it since uh, the script was presented to him. Mm -hmm. Originally, this was one of the like hottest scripts that was around that people wanted to make. And when Paramount got the rights to it, originally they wanted to put it in the Cloverfield universe. Uh, I would have loved that. I honestly would have loved that. 
But I feel like the Cloverfield name is somewhat cursed now. <laughs> I love the first Cloverfield. I love the second one. Third one is okay. I love the third one. I love every single Cloverfield movie. Yeah, Paramount wanted to make it a Cloverfield movie. And while the writers of A Quiet Place enjoy the Cloverfield movies, they were very happy when they were given a chance to make their own movie Mm because they wanted to have an original movie that wasn't attached to an already existing universe. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, but I still I think it would have been a wonderful installation in the Cloverfield universe. Yeah, so they were relieved when they got their original idea made the way they wanted to make it. The film was shot over a 36 day period. As we said, it takes place in what year? 2021. That's right. A year from this recording. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the cast. Do you want to take a guess on some names? Well, Lee. Let's start with Emily Blunt. Okay. She plays the mother. Do you know what the family's last name is? Nope. Not Costello. Elvis? (laughs) (laughs) No. Abbott. Oh, would have never seen. No, we're on two different (laughs) levels when we think about things. Uh Uh-huh. So... Their last name is Abbott. What do you think her first name is? Emily Blunt. Mm, Janet. Evelyn. So Evelyn Abbott. She's played by Emily Blunt. I have a funny relationship with Emily Blunt. Uh, excuse <laughs> me? You have a relationship with her? Yes, I do. Okay. I started not caring so much about Emily Blunt. In fact, I thought she was a bit overrated. When? When did you think this about her? Because she's great. What's wrong with your eyes? <laughs> so I had never seen Devil Wears Prada, but I knew she was in it. Uh-huh. She's a I just, delight. I just didn't think she was anything special. Then she was in The Wolfman, uh-huh. which I didn't really care for the movie so much, and I didn't care for her so much in it. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. Uh-huh. Then I saw Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy, and I thought, you know, she's actually pretty good. I like her. She was full metal bitch in that movie. <laughs> That's what they call her. Then I saw this movie, and I was like, you know, I actually do like her, but then... I fell in love with her when I saw Mary Poppins Returns. And she's the perfect Mary Poppins. She truly is. She's perfect. Yeah, she was perfect as <laughs> Mary Poppins. So Emily Blunt has really climbed high in, oh, yeah, in, in my books. We're talking about your relationship. <laughs> uh-huh, go on. To be uh, one of my favorite actresses. Uh-huh. As you know, she is in real life married to John Krasinski. And when he was presented this opportunity to direct this movie she at first suggested that john krasinski hire a friend of hers to play the leading lady who i don't think they've ever said who okay but as soon as she read the script she says no i want to play the part (laughs) so she got to be the star of a quiet place Mm -hmm. with her husband john krasinski who plays lee abbott as you said emily blunt's you know her acting is really great in this movie especially in the bathtub scene yes that's the greatest moment of the movie and you know they did it all in one take that bathtub scene uh-huh. and it was very intense she's crying you know trying to relieve her tensions without giving herself away and finally she gives that scream and then after they said cut and the scene was over she dropped out of character and just had a smile on her face and said what's everyone having for lunch today <laughs> as i said john krasinski plays lee abbott millicent simmons plays the daughter her name is any guesses no reagan 
How did you know that? Uh, when I was looking for photos today, it had it had her name underneath it. How and dare you? I was like, you. oh, what are the odds? So her name wow, is... Wow, you stomped dead in your <laughs> <laughs> You tricked me. <laughs> so Millicent Simmons plays Reagan Abbott. She uh, is deaf in real life due to a medical overdose when she was born, unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And one of the greatest things that she did about this movie is she came up with possibly the greatest line of the movie, hmm. which was at the end of the movie when John Krasinski was about to die... All he was going to do was sign to her, I love you. But she said, you should also say, I have always loved you. Mm. And that's the big crushing moment. It really is. And that little girl came up with it. In fact, it made John Krasinski cry made when me, he did the scene. And What? Made me cry. Yeah. Uh, Noah Jupe plays the son. His name is Marcus Abbott. That little boy. We just watched Honey Boy. Yeah, he's on Honey Boy. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good in this movie. He's, I don't know, he reminds me of the kid in Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> or Chip from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> and then the little boy that dies at the beginning of the movie, he's played by Cade Woodward. Oh, he's a great little boy. And his name is Bo Abbott. Bo? Bo, B-E-A-U. Okay. Beaumont. <laughs> what is Lee short for? Leofum. <laughs> Leifer. No, I said Leifer. I know, but I'm saying Leifer. Lemeth. Lenifer. Le. Uh, Liebert. Uh, Leonard. I literally thought you were gonna look it up. Lenny. So the monster design, I think pretty much all of it, yeah, all of it was CGI, and they did a live actor in a motion capture suit, and for several of the scenes, it was John Krasinski playing the monster. In fact, when they did early screenings of this movie, it was laughed at a lot. And the executives were worried that people just were going to laugh at it and think this wasn't good. But the main reason they were laughing is because it was John Krasinski in these suits um, with balls all over him, you know. <laughs> uh, the creatures were inspired by bog people. and uh, I'm sorry? Bog people. And apparently those are cadavers that have been mummified in peat, turning their skin black and giving them a saggy, leathery look. Peat is a brown deposit resembling soil formed by the partial decomposition of vegetable matter in the wet, acidic conditions of bogs and ferns, and often cut out and dried to use as fuel and in gardening. So yeah, they do kind of look like that. So the budget of this movie was $17 million. Really? Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty cheap for this movie, I guess. Is that? I'm like, that's a lot of money. Oh, I thought that was, I mean... But I'm a commoner and I'm poor. I mean, you got a couple of big stars and effects. Uh, I suppose, but it's his movie. Yeah. And it made over $340 million worldwide. Good for them. Deserved. Well, this movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know who also liked the movie? Who? Stephen King. You know what he had to say? I wish I wrote that. He <laughs> said, I wish I wrote a good ending. <laughs> he said, A Quiet Place is an extraordinary piece of work. Terrific acting. But the main thing is the silence and how it makes the camera's eye open wide in a way few movies manage. The movie went on to be nominated for one Oscar for Best Sound Editing. Did not win, but well-deserved nomination. Yes. And it was very successful. I remember when it came out, people were clamoring to the theaters to see it. Like, we saw it only because of the good word of mouth. Yeah, that I 
felt like it was really a sleeper. And in fact, it did so well that they put a sequel into production, and that sequel is coming out the week that we release this episode. Well, no, not anymore. It got pushed to indefinitely. Oh, did it? Yeah, it got... John Kaczynski uh, wrote on his Instagram and Twitters that it was going to be postponed. Well, because of the current apocalyptic ways, uh, we have to wait for an apocalyptic movie. (laughs) Well, we're not in an apocalyptic situation. We're just uh, being mindful and social distancing. And we hope you are being socially distant yourself and listening. I'm always socially distant. (laughs) I don't need the government to tell me. I'm just like already get away from me, everyone. Yeah. And during that time, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and maybe some of our backlogs. (laughs) So that's A Quiet Place. So yeah, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us at podsandmonsters.com. You can find us on Instagram at podsandmonsterspodcast and on Twitter and the Book of Faces at podsandmonsters. If you have any suggestions or requests, you can email us at podsandmonsters at gmail.com. We have updated our list at podsandmonsters.com. And I believe that the Rondo Awards are still happening now. So if you could please, 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 with the cherry on top, go and vote for us. We are under category number 19, best multimedia site. Yeah, you have till March 29th to vote. Yes. I'm going to vote right now. I am too. Um, <laughs> and you don't have to vote for everything, but there are some really great categories in there. So please take a moment to vote. Um, yeah, and vote for all your, your favorite monster stuff. Exactly. And if you like our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you can hear our podcasts as soon as they are out. For Pods of Monsters... My name is Robert. And I'm Anthea. And I'm going to say goodbye in a whisper. Hold on. Hold on. Goodbye. I don't like this already. Can you hear me? Oh, unfortunately. Goodbye, everybody. Watch out for the monsters. This is just a bunch of your mouth noises. Goodbye. Ugh. Goodbye. Goodbye.